Hi friends and welcome to another episode of the Oakham Church Podcast. We're in our summer series where we're looking at different psalms and looking at them through the lens of not just this collection of um, written things in the middle of our Bible, not even just looking at them as, as prayers or poetry or even songs that we've got this big list of, but that actually this isn't even just a collection or a compilation, but this is more personal than that, that we're looking at these Psalms as a mixtape, something that has been um, thought about, something that has had intentionality put behind it so that one thing leads into the next, into the next into the next, that there's a message running through, that there's a message from one psalm into the next, into the next, that there's the collection of psalms that make up the psalms, so the blocks of the five, also tell a different story, but they also run from one to the other. They're all related, they're all connected, and that the things that you learn from this psalm instruct what you see in the next psalm, and so on, and so on, right the way through. And so Today is no different. Today we're going to look at Psalm 42. And Psalm 42 is the beginning of this second block of the five blocks that the Psalms are made up of. So just like we saw how the importance of Psalms 1 and 2 of of starting off this mixtape because it's the beginning. Again here we have of sorts another beginning. So another important first track within this mixtape. Uh, So with that said, I'm going to read Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food, day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go to the house of God, under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive sung. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. There's an emotional, 
spiritual roller coaster within this one psalm. We have highs and lows. We have looking back with longing and, and, and good memories. We have looking at the present and the horrible state that they're in. We look have looking into the future with perhaps um, trepidation and worry and anxiety and some sorts. And then other times looking forward to the future with with hope and certainty. And this this callback, this callback again. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. We get that phrase, that refrain twice. It's almost like that's the chorus within this song in the mixtape. But the, the, the thing underneath the thing in this psalm, and what I'm going to kind of focus on here and on Sunday as well, is this idea of spiritual hunger. Although um, the, the psalmist here is talking more about thirsting for, and thirsting after, it's actually getting at something deeper and it's this idea of hungering, it's this idea of longing, it's this idea of desiring and it's this what's underneath all the layers of what you do and why you do what you do, right at the heart of it, what is it that you want? I really believe that's why in the Gospels, when we get to the life of Jesus over and over again, when he has encounters with people, he asks that question, what do you want? What is your desire, your longing? Here he's saying, what are you hungry for? Reading that, that psalm, I was just reminded of the, uh, the chorus uh, that we used to sing um, from back in the 80s. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. This really weird kind of mention of a, a deer, an animal, straight away. And it's this, it's this um, giving us this, this way of looking at something and then making it about something else. It's almost like saying, this is what we see in the real world, in the natural world. Now, we take that and use it as a metaphor of understanding something that's going on within me at a deeper soul level. Now, I did some Googling and, and humans, human beings, have about 5 million olfactory receptors. You might think, what is an olfactory receptor? Those are the things that, that help us to, to pick out smells and differentiate between one smell and another. So humans have about 5 million. Deer, that's mentioned here in the psalm, deer have about... 20, no, 297 million. So humans have 5 million, deer have 297 million. So when you see these nature programs of that, of the deer with its head up and you can see the nostrils flaring, what's it doing there? It's smelling for all the signs of what's a threat, what's a danger, what's around the next corner, what's downwind from me, what's upwind from me. Because it can't rely just on what it can see and what it can hear. It uses the strength that it has and that's in those nostrils. That's in those receptors, the smelling things. And it uses that as well to find water. And that's exactly what the psalmist is getting at here. As the deer pants for streams of water, as the deer walks around sniffing for that scent that it knows can draw it to that life-giving water. Just like that, the psalmist's soul pants and sniffs out for God. That, that the psalmist's soul is, is thirsty for God, for the living God, in the way that that, that deer in, in the natural world longs for and desires the streams of living water that are going to give that deer life as well. 
We're talking about um, thirst, but then ultimately hunger takes us back, of course, into the Old Testament, into the Exodus story. And I want to just read a little bit of this from Exodus 16. It says this, The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Melodramatic much. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. You hear this grumbling going on and on again here, being repeated by Moses and Aaron. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much, and the one who had gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. So there we have God sustaining, God fulfilling, God scratching that itch, God feeding these people. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They were grumbling. We heard it over and over again just in that short passage. In the wilderness, in that dry, arid desert place, they'd come out of slavery. They thought they were free. They were ready to enter into this new wonderful thing that Moses had been talking about, how God had promised this fantastic liberation and freedom for them. And they were ready to embrace all of that. And yet here they were and they were hungry and they were thirsty. And yet here is God providing for them. And notice that they were told to only take so much. And yet, of course, as humans do, some took too much. Some took more than they needed. Others didn't take enough. Maybe they they didn't think that they'd need that much. Maybe they saw themselves as, as not, poor, not important enough or not not deserving of that much. And so they only took, they took less than what they were supposed to take. 
And yet when everyone else, everything was gathered together and they kind of weighed out who took what, everyone had the exact same. And there's a miracle in and of itself. So God feeds manna from heaven. God feeds bread from heaven to feed their natural hunger, to feed the the longings and the desires within them for, for, for bread and for quail. And then that we jump straight into the New Testament. And we hear this in John chapter 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up onto the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to just have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So here again we have God providing for people. God providing to to fulfil and to sustain that natural hunger for, for physical bread. So just like we had the manna in Egypt, now we have these this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 from the, sh- from the small amount. And did you notice everyone had exactly what they needed? Regardless of how much they took from the disciples as they were handing it out, everyone had their fill. And not just that, but they had more than enough because then they gave back the leftovers. Jesus continues on this train of thought a little bit later on in the same chapter, in verse 25, where it says this. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So there's a direct link back to that story from Exodus. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, 
It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews there began to grumble. There's that word again, grumble. The Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So we start off by having this psalmist talking about spiritual hunger and thirst, of this longing, this desire, this yearning to be, to be filled by the thing that matters. Harkening back to the days and remembering the Exodus story, the, their history of, of how the children of Israel were fed manna in heaven, they were provided for by God, not, not just to fill their bellies, but as a proof that Yahweh is the one and only true and living God, and that that God, Yahweh, will provide and that God will fulfill and sustain them. And then along comes Jesus, much later on in this story, and points back to the Psalms and then back to Exodus and says all of this, all of these stories about being fulfilled, they're now being fulfilled in me. You thought it was about this. You thought it was about that. But I'm here to show you it's about me. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread. I am the one and only who can fulfill, truly fulfill and truly satisfy and truly sustain that hunger and that thirst that's within all of us. We can try and fill our bellies with this or that or the other. We can try and and quench our thirst with them or those But the only one that can quench that thirst, the only one that can fill that hunger is Jesus, the true bread. Why, my soul, are you downcast? 
Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Grace and peace.